And uh, so we're going to jump right in. We're going to continue with our series on uh, Won't You Be a Neighbor? This is week two. Uh, last week we, we discussed some absolutely revolutionary ideas that basically when, when the Bible talks about uh, loving your neighbor as yourself, that the Bible is actually talking about loving the people that are around you, your actual neighbors. So again, that was transformative, I know. And uh, last week we had a sheet of paper that uh, hopefully you took home with you. I hope that you were able to fill in a little bit more information in that. Please remember that's not just for last week. That's hopefully to give you guys kind of a little bit of a roadmap of some opportunities to meet some people in your neighborhood and spend some time with them. Uh, but to this week, we're going to talk about neighboring the lost. We're going to look at some of those types of ideas. We're going to start with some, some things to remember and to consider, and then we're going to kind of, kind of conclude with kind of some, some how-tos, not, not great in depth, but some application stuff that we can look at. So let's pray. Father, we love you and we need you and we thank you. God, you're good. And Father, we just pray that you would just speak through me, Father, that I just, I need you right now. I can't do this without you. And so, Father, I pray that you would open our hearts to your word, open our hearts to what you are saying, because you're good, and we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew, the 22nd chapter, we're going to start there and kind of read uh, from a different portion of Scripture that we read last week, but basically the same story and the same idea. Basically, it starts in verse number 36, and it says this, Teacher... Which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important. It's important that you check that out. Equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. So Jesus here is being asked again in Matthew, we we talked last week in in Mark, about this idea of loving your neighbor as yourself along with loving God. We we usually do a fairly good job of loving God, but we don't always do such a good job with neighbor. Last week, like we talked about, we talked about the fact that neighbor actually does mean loving your neighbor, that person that's next to you. And I said, now, we're going to expand on that. Last week was the starting point. Last week was kind of that first step of making sure that we're loving those that are around us. And this week, we're going to talk about more loving those that are also around us, but also broaden that out a little bit. Every week, we're going to begin to this little bit of a broadening of this concept and this understanding. So we're going to take one more step this week. Next week, we're going to take another step. And following fourth week, we're going to take one more step as we kind of broaden out our sphere of influence. So here, we're going to be talking about the people that don't know Jesus. We're talking about those that maybe live in your neighborhood, maybe those that are in your family, maybe those that are in your workplace, maybe those that are in your school, people that don't know who Jesus is. Now, they may know who Jesus is as far as a curse word, but they really don't know him. They may know Jesus as someone that has been, they may have been shown a very poor representation of Jesus, but these are the people that don't know who he is. So this could fall a lot of different people that don't really know who he is. So some things that we need to look at before we actually get into kind of more of of, of a kind of game plan to some application points. So that's where we're going to start off this morning. And it says this on your notes. Point number one is simply this. I am placed where I am and when I am for a purpose. Look at Acts 17. This is interesting to me. In Acts 17, it says this. And he made, he mean God, made from one man... Every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. Listen, you need to understand something. It is not a mistake that you are placed where you are. 
Now, you may have done this, and, and, and listen, and just so you know, I know some people don't know this. I'm going to let everybody know because we finally got it done. We sold our house on Friday. We had been impending for about a month, and I didn't want to say anything because I was not wanting to go, guess what? And then come back and go, okay, guys, uh, bad news. Uh, but we, we signed on Thursday. We sent the papers off. They signed on Friday. So we are homeless um, at this point, which is good. So we've we're, we're, we got good stuff. But we have to remember that, okay? God, listen, you, you did not, maybe a year ago, two years ago, ten years ago, whenever you found your dwelling place, you didn't just walk up and go, oh, look, I think I'll live here. And God's like, well, you know, I really hadn't thought about it, but okay. God knew where you were going to pick because God already picked it. God already predetermined where you were going to be. God didn't, listen, we talked a little bit about this last week. There are no coincidences in God's economy. There's nothing that God will look at and go, huh, didn't see that coming. I didn't know that was coming. That's, that's strange. No, no. God has already planned this out. You see, God knows everything and has a plan for everything. Sometimes I look at our plans in our lives as like puzzle pieces. And God is moving the puzzle pieces around. And he's putting them all together. And this is the most complex puzzle in the entire world. Because it's not just my life. It's all of our lives. And God is moving all the pieces together. And he's making them all happen. Listen, you are placed where you are and when you are for a purpose. For a purpose. For a plan. You have to understand that. And that come with that, you need to understand, you need a little boldness and a little confidence because God knows what he's doing. God did not have that person move in next door because he was like, eh, why not? He placed them there because he knew in his infinite knowledge and infinite wisdom that you would have the ability with his help to make a difference in their lives. We love to look at Esther, don't we? And what's the verse that's on, you go into a Bible bookstore. Do they have those anymore? Okay, just a few. You go into a Bible bookstore. And what verse is all over all the stuff? For at such a time as this. And we go, oh, isn't that great? And it kind of becomes like a little bumper sticker for Christianity. Listen, I'm not a big fan of Christianity bumper stickers, but that doesn't change the fact that it really is true. For a time such as this. You were placed there for a time such as this. You have that cubicle next to that person for a time such as this. You sit next to that person in biology class for a time such as this. God put you there. God is ordaining your steps. The steps of a righteous man are ordained by God. Listen, some of you need to start understanding that your steps are ordained. Step in it. Step in it. Walk in it. Have confidence in it. Because he's placed you there. And listen, God's really, really smart. And God knows what he's doing. And you have to understand that. You need to get that deep down inside of you. God has placed you there. And there's a purpose for you being there. Number two, the gospel is best shared and received in close relationship. Let's look at Luke 19. 
I love this story. I remember as a kid, we would sing about this story, and I know a lot of you know the story. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now, we're going to continue. We've got to check this out. This is important that you catch this. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus into his house in great excitement and joy. Did you realize, did you you catch it? Do you catch what Jesus just did here? This is important because a lot of times we sing about it and we miss it. Jesus here is walking in Jerusalem. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. He's not exactly, you know, Telen, basically. And he runs up and he climbs a tree. If you don't know, Telen's like seven foot two, okay? Or at least will be, probably, in a week. And he climbs up and takes the, the, the tree. He's looking at Jesus. Jesus is walking by. And Jesus stops. And he looks up. And he calls him by name. Now, that's interesting to me. He doesn't say, hey, you. He doesn't say, hey, weirdo in the tree. He doesn't say, hey, can you give me some figs while you're... I mean, I, 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 sycamore, I don't know what uh, a sycamore fig tree. I don't know what it is. I, I, I know what a sycamore tree is. He calls him by name. And he says, I need to be close to you in your Now, we all know the rest of the story. If you don't, real quick, he comes down. Everybody has a fit because he's a sinner. And basically, because of this encounter with Jesus, because Jesus calls him by name, because Jesus desires to come and eat with him, which again is a sign of acceptance and a sign of love and a sign of relationship, he changes his life. But listen, I think the problem that we're having is a lot of times we want to jump ahead so far because what we want to do is we want to get a little notch on our belt. What we want to do is we want to get people saved. Is that a good thing? Absolutely. But you know how it usually happens in close relationship when you actually know the person's name. I gave you a sheet of paper. Now, I didn't do this because I'm not mean. But if I said, I'm going to ask this person, this person, this person, this person to walk up on stage and show me your list and show me your houses and show me all the people you know, probably you would have not liked doing that. Listen, you want people to come to know Jesus? Get in relationship with them. One of the things I used to do as a youth pastor was I'd walk up to my kids and say, listen, if you're not hanging around unsaved people, that's a problem. You can't be light in light. It's all light. You're light in darkness. The the thing here we always have to remember is this. Your job as a Christian is to bring light to darkness, not to turn light from light into darkness. We have this opportunity here, guys. But it usually comes in close relationship. I found a statistic that said this. Basically half of everyone that's invited to church by a friend, family member, or neighbor will come to church. Half. But you have to be in close relationship. 
You have to know them. You have to spend life with them. And you know what? Let's be honest. Being in life with people is messy and it's dirty. You're going you're gonna to get exposed. You're going to say things that you don't want to say and do things that you're going to be embarrassed about. They're going to do the same thing. But that's what a relationship is. It's that closeness. It's that desiring to say, you know what? I'm going to love you no matter what. No matter what you do, no matter what you say. I'm going to know your name. Sometimes that's what it's going to take. And it's not going to be, I'm sorry, it's probably not going to be one of these, I talked to them Tuesday, they accepted Jesus Tuesday night. It's going to take time. And that's okay. That's okay. But you're going to have to spend time. You're going to have to make time and have a relationship. Sorry, guys. I'm still... Number three, and I know we're we're going through these kind of quick. Number three. We talked a little bit about this last week. I want to expound on it. Doing nothing is not an option for a Christ follower. Look at Matthew 28, okay? Now, this, this is important. Now, I was actually, a couple weeks ago as I was putting this together, I actually found some statistics that just came out. I'm going to read them in just a second, but I'm going to read this first, okay? Matthew 28, 18, it says this. Jesus and, came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Now, most of us know what this is. This is, this is in the Bible called the Great Commission. Okay? This is where Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven. This is his last command to his followers as he's getting ready to leave. And this is called the Great Commission. Now, I found just this a couple weeks ago, just came out, had the, the survey done basically in October of 2017. They released it March 2018. Barna found this, and they're, they're, they're a Christian organization that does a lot of surveys and things like that. They're very interesting. I enjoy this sort of stuff. And basically it said this, they found that 51, now let me say this before we go on. This is basically a bunch of people that are church people, Okay. They did not do an age situation. This is all ages. These are people, though, that attend church. They found that 51% of people that they surveyed were unfamiliar with the term Great Commission. 51%. Just so you know, this is the Great Commission. If they come, I want 100%. Okay? This is the Great Commission, okay? 25% said they heard it, but didn't know its exact meaning. So that's basically 70, little over 75% of people that they surveyed didn't know the term or didn't know what it meant. 17% said they knew for sure. 6% said they were not sure. Now listen. Uh, let's be honest here. We're not, we don't want to be 
Let's just let's be honest with the situation here. And they did say this in the study. It could be that the term has changed. The churches are still talking about the Great Commission. They're just not using that term. Okay? That sounds great. I don't know if I believe it. Listen. Doing nothing is not an option. The Great Commission is not given, and then at the end of it, there is the excuses or the buts. There is not this, well, you have to do this unless this, or unless this, or unless this, or unless this. He says, go. He says, go, and he tells his disciples. Who are his disciples? That's us. That's the Christians. That's the people that are following him. If you're a Christ follower, following this, doing this is not optional for you. It just isn't. Okay? Now, if you want to come and you want to listen to me tickle your ears and tell you everything's great and everything's fine, that's great. Ah, that's not me. This is not happening enough. Okay? And I'm not just, not, not Broomfield Assembly, Christendom as a whole. We are not taking the truth of the gospel and the good news and sharing, them with, sharing it with people. Because we think they're not going to like it. Or we think they're going to tell us no. Or they, listen, listen. This is a command. Does everyone understand that? This was not Jesus saying, if you have time. Jesus was not saying, if you have nothing better to do. He was not saying, if you have this person who walks up to you and says, listen, I know you're a Christian. Will you tell me about Jesus? He said to go and make disciples. Now, let's just be honest. Let's not raise our hands. Let's just think in our hearts. Tell me, in your mind's eye, in your head, who have you discipled in the last year? Who have you helped find Jesus in the last year? I'll give you a year. Oh, man, Aaron, you're making me feel a little bit uncomfortable. I don't, I don't really like this. You know what? Our world's going to hell in a handbasket. Let's get a little uncomfortable. Let's realize that this is a command that God asks us to do. And God doesn't look at us and say, you're too young, you're too old, you're too this, you're too that. He says, if you're my disciple, you will go and you will make disciples. But, but Aaron, that's hard. Yes, it is. That's difficult. Yes, it is. But why? And I brought this up last week, but I think it's important we do it again. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. It simply says this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. The question is simply this. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? If you love your neighbor as yourself, you will tell them about Jesus. Now, that, I'm not saying go get you a banner. I'm not saying go get you a track. I'm not saying go bang on their door and stand there with your Bible and tell them they're going to hell. I'm telling you, get in close relationship with them. Spend time with them. Invite them over for dinner. If you have somebody in your work, go talk to them. I know this is revolutionary. But guys, listen, if it was so easy, why don't we just do it? And I get it. People aren't always easy to talk to. But they need Jesus. And God placed you in their lives for a purpose and a time. What an unbelievable opportunity we have. And I know it's not easy. I understand that. It's not easy for me either, guys. There's times where I know I should probably say something and I don't. 
but this isn't about being perfect in it, guys. It's, it's, it's about taking another step towards that. It's about taking another step going, listen, I'm going to do a better job in this area. I'm going I'm to listen closer. I'm going to be available to my neighbor. I'm going to be available to that kid that needs Jesus. And so in that turn, we begin to love each other much more deeply. We begin to care for each other much more deeply. Listen, don't tell me you love your neighbor if you're not willing to tell them the truth about Jesus. Don't lie. Don't lie. Liars won't make it to heaven. The good thing is we're all liars. So what do we do? We say, God, I'm sorry. And God brings us to that place. And God refreshes our hearts, forgives our soul. But then, but then we go and we do better. Don't tell me you love your neighbor if you're not willing to share Christ with them. Don't tell me you love your neighbor if you're not willing to share a meal with them. Listen, this, this is... I'm trying to make this make sense. This is my life, okay? Does that make sense? Like, like you guys leave here and you guys go do things with computers or real estate or, or, or buildings or, 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 or teachers or what. You, you do. I kind of focus in all this stuff. And so I look at the church and I'm like, well, how is this working or how is that working? Or, or how, you know, listen, listen, right now I feel like what the church is doing a really good job in is giving people stuff but not giving them Jesus. Okay? Like, we're doing really good at, like, hey, come, and we'll give you a backpack. And we'll give you school supplies. Is that good? Absolutely. Don't, don't misunderstand me here, okay? Don't misunderstand me. Hey, you're hungry? We'll get you food. Is that important? Absolutely. Don't misunderstand me. But that is not a substitute for Jesus. It's not enough to give somebody something to eat if you're not also going to say, let me tell you who Jesus is. How does that happen? In close relationship. Listen, I can't have close relationship with everybody. You can't have close relationship with everybody. You get to have close relationship with those people that God ordained for you to be close to and near to. We have to start doing this, folks. We sit there and we complain about our world. We complain about our culture. And in turn, we go and we go into our little houses and we lock the doors and we basically say, no, we're not going to allow it to come. And instead, God's saying, you are to go and make a difference because you love them, because you care about them, because they matter. Number four, let's look at some just simple, easy things. You say, Aaron, where do I start? And that's basically the question. How do I start neighboring the lost? Okay, listen, I I know this is going to be simplistic. I'm going to try to make it simplistic on purpose. But these are some things you can start with, okay? If you go, Aaron, I don't know where to start. I get that. Sometimes I don't either. But this is a good place to start, okay? Everybody get that? Good place to start. Number one, don't be a stranger. Don't be a stranger. Listen, Listen, go out, meet your neighbors. Go out, meet your coworkers. Be a part of their lives. It's, it's really hard. Listen, listen, listen. When you are outside, and I know this is starting to happen because um, the grass is starting to grow and, and people are going to start getting outside. They're going to start mowing their lawns. They're going to start planting flowers and all that stuff like that. Listen, when you're out there and you see someone that lives next to you, go talk to them. 
say, hi, my name's Aaron. I've lived next to you for 13 years. <sighs> Boy, you got a beautiful yard. Hey, I've seen your kids playing. How old are they? Five? Oh, man, I almost got a five-year-old. Just, just talk. Be neighborly. Hey, if you ever need anything, I'm here. And you start to build that relationship. You begin, don't be a stranger. Know people's names. Remember the sheet? Seriously, I, my, my hope is, is that over time, you're going to keep those. And like, and because again, I understand this is not like a month thing. This is a lifestyle change. That I hope like in 10 years, like somebody comes up to me and is like, look, and you finally got it all filled in. And you're like, you know, I, I would have had it like three years ago, but somebody moved on me. You know what I mean? That's going to be awesome. Don't be a stranger. Let them know your name. Let them know about who you are. Next, don't be a stranger. Next, give what you have. Okay? Give what you have. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you have. Some of you have an unbelievable gift as far as, like, you have all these tools. You know, I'm not a tool guy. I know some guys are tool guys. I have, like, one little bag that's got all my tools in it. Some of you need a garage to house your tools. It's like, where's your car? It's on the street. Why? Because I have all my tools. Why do you think you have those? Don't be, don't, listen, listen, listen don't, don't miss me here. Don't be naive to think that God only helped you get those tools so you could fix stuff. Come on. What if God gave you those tools so that when a neighbor needs one, you can say, here, you want, do you need to borrow something? Hey, what do you need? Hey, can I help? Give what you have. You can say, oh, Aaron, I, I really have not uh, spent a lot of time. Uh, I've only taken theology one. I know I need to take theology three, four, and five before I'm truly ready to go and make disciples. No, 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 no. You just go. You give what you have. When you have it, you're available to them. And the final thing, share your story. Just share your story. When the time is right, and God will speak to you when the time is right. That is not the time to open up the word and get, you know, get it out and basically, okay, let me, let me show you here. Where blah, 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 blah. I remember when I was a kid, and don't misunderstand me here, okay? Don't go down a wrong path. Just stay with me. I remember when I was a kid, I was told you have to teach them the Romans road of salvation. Remember that? Is that was that a great tool? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Is that the only way? Absolutely not. Sometimes people come to know Jesus because somebody just shares with them what Jesus has done in them. A lot of times we think, well, what if they ask me questions? They just might. Well, I won't have an answer. Yes, you do. The answer is simple. The answer is what God has given us. He says, taste and see that I'm good. Come and see. Well, what about this? What about that? Come and see. See, all I know is this. This is what Jesus did in me. I was lost. I was dealing with trouble. My marriage was in shambles. My kids were driving me crazy. But this was happening. That was happening. And I came to God. And God didn't make it all perfect. But God came. And he, he brought me peace. And he brought me joy. And he brought me forgiveness. Is my life perfect? No. Do Sometimes am I a bad husband? Absolutely. But Jesus has changed me. And Jesus has done something in me that no one else could do. But, 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 but. Come and see. 
And one of the reasons what we're in relationship with people is simply this. If we're doing it right, if we're doing it the way that God wants us to, guess what they've been doing as you've been building their relationship? They're coming and they're seeing. They're seeing Jesus in you. They're watching your response to these things. And in those moments, God's Spirit is beginning to draw them. God's Spirit is beginning to woo them to Himself. But he can't do that if we're not in relationship with people. If they don't know where you're at, they don't know what you're dealing with, if they don't know what's going on in your life, share your story. Listen, I love stories. If the worship team would come back up, we're going to close. I love stories. I love that Jesus, when he wanted us to understand things, he told stories. The Bible calls them parables. But he told stories. Listen, listen. Let me, let me help you with something. If stories were good enough for Jesus to literally change everything, they're probably good enough for us too. We, we tend to cripple ourselves because we focus on what we don't have instead of what we do. And everyone that's accepted Jesus has a story. Everybody that has accepted Jesus. It's not a story about, well, you know, I was 12 years old and blah, 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 blah. It's a story about what God has done in you. And what God is continuing to do deep inside of you. Is that scary? Yeah, it probably is. Probably is. But if you love them, if you love your neighbor as yourself, if you really want to be a neighbor, and again, not just to the people around you in your house, but around you in your sphere of influence. Maybe it's time to tell them about Jesus. Maybe it's time to build that relation up with some intentionality because you know the reason why you're doing it is to build a relationship and a friendship, but also to make a disciple. To make a disciple. Can you do me a favor? Let's just close our eyes. The worship team's going to begin to play in just a moment, and they're going to lead us in a closing song. And I know that we kind of rushed through this a little bit, but that's okay. That's okay. But I believe with everything in me that God has placed you in a strategic place. to love on people. To share your life with them. To share with them who Jesus really is and what Jesus has done in you. I mean, Jesus has brought us from death into life. Are we perfect? No. We're not. We do things and say things that we regret. We, we do, listen, we're not, we have not been perfected. We're being transformed. That is a process. We're not there yet. You say, well, well people know I'm not perfect. Yeah, how about this? How about instead of running from the hypocrisy argument, we embrace the hypocrisy argument and say, you know what, you're right. At times, I don't do what I'm supposed to do. At times, I don't say the right thing. At times, I do mess up. But when I do, 
my Father who loves me and I go to Him. He doesn't shun me. He doesn't give me shame. He forgives me and He welcomes me home. So you're right. Sometimes I don't do the right thing. But there is joy in the morning when I can come home and have a restoration moment with my Jesus. That's a beautiful story. Why don't we tell that one for a change? Instead of trying to be perfect, instead of trying to put on airs or or look super spiritual, how about we just embrace our weakness and know that we are being made strong, not because of what we are, but because of who he is. The world doesn't need another Aaron Nash, folks. They need Jesus. And we have an opportunity to make that happen. You have an inn in your neighborhood because you live there. You have a place in your work or your school that God has placed you there. Let's begin to build that relationship. Let's begin to make a difference. Let's begin to have people that come to know Jesus. Listen, I want to see new Christians walk into this place. I want to have stories where, you know what? We prayed in his front yard and he accepted Jesus right there. And now we want to come together and be discipled in this place. What, now that's a story. But we have to make this decision. We have to decide, do we love the lost enough to get down in the mud? To get down into the filth? To get down into the beauty of maybe where they're at? And share life with them share our story with them, to know their name and say, you matter to me. We can't look at people and see numbers. We have to see people and see their name because Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. If Jesus knows our name as his disciples, we need to go and find out the names of others. Call them by their name. Know them intimately. And then a natural progression begins to happen. A beautiful plan begins to fold out. And they still may decide no to Jesus. They still have to make that choice on their own. But we will have been obedient to the command of the Great Commission. We will have been obedient to what God has asked us to do. And that's the only question I'm going to ask. Will you be obedient? Because it's clear, guys. This isn't isn't a gray area in Scripture. This is black and white. If you're my disciple, you will go and you will make other disciples. That's it. I I looked this week in 14 or so different translations. And every single one of them said the same thing. This is easy. This is no gray area here. If you are my disciple, you will be in the process of making disciples, period. Of helping people know the truth of who Jesus is. So a simple question. Will you be obedient or not? Will you be obedient or not? As I pray, I just want you to answer that question in your own heart and then tell God. And then don't be a liar. 
Let's do it. Let's make a difference in our neighborhoods, in our works, in our family, in our schools. Anywhere we walk, let's make a difference there in those people's lives. So, Father, we come to you, and, Father, we have a choice. You always always give us choices. And this morning, our choice is simple. Will we obey the Great Commission or not? Will we be a part of bringing dead things to life or will we run from our required command? What will we do? Father, I pray that for me and everyone in the sound of my voice that right now we will commit to be obedient. We, we know that we probably won't be perfect in this, but right now we're gonna do the very best we can. And we know with your help, all things are possible. All things are possible with you. And so right now, we make that commitment. We say yes to your command. Not out of fear, not out of shame. We do it because we love you. And we do it because we love our neighbor. And in that, Jesus, we fulfill all the Old Testament. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would help us.